What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we're talking Damian Lillard's injury, when he might return after straining his groin, what it means if he is forced to miss a couple games, handful of games for the Blazers, and then we'll all talk about the All-Star game. The NBA got it right. The All-Star game was good. It's 12 very good minutes. Close the show with some thoughts on the new All-Star format, which I guess Dame won. He was on the he was on the bench. He won. Ring it up. Okay, but let's for real talk injury news. So Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported that Damian Lillard could miss one to two weeks after straining his right groin. Uh, if you're just catching up, last game of the before the break, with about four minutes left, three minutes and forty four seconds left in the fourth quarter, Damian Lillard drove to the rim, uh, kind of. Bumped into Jonas Valanciunas, was mostly non-contact, came up holding his groin, uh, right groin strain. That He fouled to get himself right off the floor, immediately said he wasn't going to play in the All-Star game or do the three-point contest. So the question is, when is, when could he come back? Uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported there would be one to two weeks is the timeline that, that you can expect. The team, the Trailblazers' official press release, says Damian Lillard will be reevaluated one week from when it was released, which was Wednesday evening. So this coming Wednesday, uh, Blazers play Friday against the Pelicans, the first game back from the break. So on Wednesday, we should have real Damian Lillard news. And by that, I mean another vague update from the team. But we'll probably know uh, more by then because Dame himself seems to feel like he can come back early. Right when he got hurt, he told reporters in Memphis that he was planning on playing the first game back after the break and that... um, my read on that was mostly that he he knew it wasn't super serious if he was if if he would even give himself that type of specific timeline he he wouldn't he just wouldn't hit it that early if he was a little bit worried about it but he has since made some other remarks uh he in a sit down interview with Amara Baptist of the Trailblazers he said that he's been uh he's been in Chicago he he rapped at, at Saturday night um we're not we're not going to I was going to do a segment on uh him rapping but uh the All-Star game was good so it got it got nixed he rapped he rapped with Lil Wayne um if you're familiar with Dame rapping it went how you'd expect so yeah Dame has been in Chicago he's been at All-Star weekend he also got engaged big weekend for longtime girlfriend got engaged with longtime girlfriend big weekend for Damian Lillard so in a sit down interview though with the team before I get lost on too many more tangents. In this sit-down interview, he said that uh, he's been in Chicago and one of the team trainers is there, so he's already been doing rehab things, uh, just kind of like working towards getting better. Um, it's not a surprise that he's doing rehab. That sounds about right, uh, but at least you've heard it him say it if you want to seek that out. He also, in an interview with Chris Haynes, that I believe is a like sort of a clip from an upcoming podcast or maybe just... Um, Dame sitting down with Haynes to do him a favor and get on camera and, and do the types of things players do, big media things at All-Star Weekend. He told Haynes that he hopes to return after the break. and But he did acknowledge in that interview that if, if he does miss one game, he'll try, the, the exact quote is, if, if he does miss one game, I'll try not to at least miss one or two more games. So that to me, that sounds like Damian Lillard being realistic uh, with a timeline that maybe Friday against New Orleans it's not it's not in play but if if he does have to miss Friday he'll try to be ready for Sunday when the Blazers host the Detroit Pistons or perhaps Tuesday when the Blazers host the Celtics before the beginning of a road trip that begins begins excuse me in Indianapolis on Thursday that seems like a 
a reasonable timeline that he could come back, maybe miss the Pelicans game and come back sometime prior to that indie game. The indie game would be two weeks. That would be the long end of the timeline. So maybe Damian Lord is aiming to come back for a Celtics or Pistons game on Sunday. To me, when I look at those four, and we'll include the Pacers in those four, because that would be kind of the end of the two-week timeline, and anything, any games that he missed beyond that would be, frankly, right now pretty surprising, considering what he's said publicly about the injury and what the team has announced in terms of reevaluation length, like scope for how long that could take. But that that feels a lot like one and three without him. Uh, the Blazers have had a tough time dealing with the Pelicans with and without Zion Williamson. Uh, the Pistons are super bad. That feels like a win even without Damian Lode, or at least a very winnable game. The Blazers are likely to be favored even without Damian Lode in that game. And then Tuesday against Boston, the Celtics are really good. They're just a, they're like a good team. I can't imagine that the Blazers the Blazers it would be a very impressive win for the Blazers to win without Dame. And at Indy, the Blazers obviously uh, beat the Pacers in one of a, their better games here a couple weeks ago. But uh, that was when before Victor Oladipo came back and Miles Turner didn't play in that game. Very different, very different game and on the road in Indianapolis. So, I mean, that's like a realistic one and three. I think that's without Damian Lillard, that's, that looks like real trouble. And that would put the, the Blazers at 26 and 34 with 22 games left. That's not a great spot to be obviously, but I don't want to speculate too much more about length. I just wanted to give you a picture in this first segment of kind of where Damian Lillard's at, what we know heading into this week, where he's got a ton of time, uh, presumably back in Portland or wherever he might be, uh, to get the treatment he needs to be ready. What I want to do in the second segment is just kind of give you a look at what the Blazers might look like and what we've some stats behind what we've seen when Dame doesn't play. Because it seems clear that he's he's very likely to miss one, if not several games. It doesn't look like a long absence, but certainly an absence ahead, and the Blazers need every game they can get. So I want to give you some numbers behind what the what the Blazers look like without Damian Lillard. All right, so in the first segment we talked, Damian Lillard looks like he's out for one-plus weeks. Certainly one, because they got that's how the All-Star break works, but... Looks like he's set to miss a a small number of games. Looks like this injury is very likely to keep him out of one, if not more, but probably not more than four at the most from what we know right now. Obviously, those things can change, but we're talking a, a few games in a stretch where the Blazers can, can't really afford to lose grasp of the rope. They're kind of at a, a point in their season where if they get far enough away, things are going to change in a hurry. And by that, I mean the decisions you make, although I think Zach and Nurk would probably play regardless, the, the the timeline for when you bring them back it really, really might change if the Blazers lose too, too ground in the standings. So this is not exactly uh, breaking too much news. It's why it's in the second segment, second block here, not the first block. But uh, Damon Lillard is extremely good. The Blazers will miss him if he doesn't play. Over the last 15 games, he's averaging 36.5 points on nearly 50-40-90 shooting. That's field goals, threes, and free throw percentage for those of you not familiar. He's also averaging nearly 9 assists and 5.0 rebounds a game. He's just been a monster. There was a brief period when he was 
playing better than anyone in the league. So this, it's not going to surprise you that the Blazers are worse when he's out of the game. But I got some bad news first, because that's kind of where we're at with this team in this season and Dame's injury. But then there's some weird good news, so stick with me. The Blazers are get outscored by nine points per 100 possessions on the year when Dame sits. That obviously includes some garbage time. This numbers from ES, uh, from NBA.com, so that includes some garbage time. It's not. It's maybe not the best number, but it tells you they're way worse. Not a surprise. But in the 55 minutes that Dame has been on the bench, but CJ McCollum, Hassan Whiteside, and Carmelo Anthony have been in the game. The Blazers have been outscored by six and a half points per 100 possessions. Most of those games, or rather most of those minutes that those those th- three played together without Dame came in November when Dame missed a couple games. Uh, the loss at New Orleans, Melo's debut, and then the loss where the Blazers played pretty well, lost by eight in Milwaukee. Uh, that was probably one of their better losses early in the season when they looked pretty competitive against the best team in the NBA. So... Not a not a big surprise that that trio hasn't been particularly good has been has been consistently outscored when Dame sits, but that gives you a, a sort of a sense of what they might be up against is that th- even when the their core guys are in, they're they're still going to really miss Dame. To maybe highlight this another way, uh, when both Dame and CJ sit on the season, the Blazers get outscored by fourteen points per hundred possessions, negative three point nine in 151 minutes with both their guards out of the game. Obviously, that's going to include some garbage time, some blowouts, all those things. But in general, it just means that I think what it it more cautions is it's not so much about that starting group. They'll figure it out. CJ McCollum's pretty good to be moderately competitive against these teams. It's when they have to rest their main guys. Uh, Being able to stagger Damon CJ has been so important to their survival. The Blazers have been outscored consistently when either of those two are out of the game. Uh, When Dame sits and it's just CJ, when CJ sits and it's just Dame, the Blazers aren't that good. That's why they kind of went away from the staggering for a little bit and just tried to play them both together. They're going to win those minutes by the most they possibly can. Uh, but without Dame, CJ has to sit. You know, you can play him 38 minutes a night, but he's but there's 10 minutes where he's going to be out of the game, and those 10 minutes look really dicey. Uh, you know, as well as Gary Trent has played, he's not a lead guard yet. He's 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 a really good shooter and scorer on the wing, but he's not a ball handler and playmaker by any means. And Anthony Simons looked awesome against Memphis to close out the uh, first half of the season before All-Star, but those guys are going to be asked to play much bigger roles and then really carry the team or just a steady diet of Carmelo post-ups uh, when when CJ has to sit, when when should they miss a couple games. But I promise you good news. I promise you stick it out with me. We'll land on good news. Here is my very small sample size good news for you. Here's another non-breaking news element to introduce the statistic. Trevor Ariza has helped. The Blazers are better when he's been on the court this year. He's a huge upgrade over what they had on the wing prior to him. He just makes this team make sense. And in 17 minutes together, when Ariza, CJ, Hassan, and Mello are on the court without Damian Lillard, so the four other starters and out Damian Lillard, the Blazers have a plus 5.3 net rating, rejoice, hallelujah, 17 real-life positive minutes. Now that number, like the 55-minute number that I read to you when with just the uh, Mellow, CJ, and Hassan trio, that quartet number of 17 minutes 
too small to mean anything. Lineup data in general, I, I think it's really interesting because I think I've said this a bunch of times that when games start, I kind of feel like the only thing coaches do is decide who, decide who plays together and when. I feel like that's the job of an NBA coach during the game. Um, you, you drop a handful of plays and you yell and stuff, but mostly the guys on the court make the decisions. So the way you can impact the game is decide who plays and when. But in general, I think lineup data is just kind of it's kind of messy. It, it gives you a, it gives you a sense, and I know the Blazers to some extent look at trios and and duos and stuff like that in their own statistical analysis. But I I don't think it's um, I don't think it's super super useful. I think uh, I think there's more sort of nuanced ways than just than just the data to understand who plays who plays well together and why. But in any case, those those tiny little sample size and those seventeen glorious minutes, the Blazers might have a better shot with more length in the lineup than they've had in the past. When Dame missed missed games in the past, it's just a lot of Gary Trent Jr. at the three, where he's been playing a little bit, but um, it's uh, it's a tough look for them. It's against a lot of lineups. So Ariza helps. I do feel like all the other data, and obviously sort of just sort of like if you watch this team without – say you'd never been introduced to numbers, but you had watched this team a couple times, you'd know that uh, the the shorter gentleman who brought the ball up was going to say number zero, but that doesn't work. You've never been uh, introduced to numbers. The letter O dribbling the ball up the court is was the Blazers' best and most impactful player, so they're going to be worse without him. Uh, so I don't I don't mean to point to those 17 minutes and say, look, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't think so. I think they're going to be really rough without him because they're obviously not super good with him. And look, y'all know me. I'm not going to just uh, have a segment that just has boundless optimism. I'm mostly a pessimist. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if Dame doesn't play, the Blazers have a ch- a very real shot of going 0 and 4. Much, much stronger chance of going 0 and 4 than 4 and 0. If he misses all four of those games, he thinks he'll be back. Sounds like it. He's been in every interview, he sounded hopeful when people have directly asked him about it. But that's enough, Dame, for now. We'll have more updates as his status becomes clear going forward the rest of this week and up until he plays. But let's talk about the All-Star game. The NBA got it right. The All-Star game was good. I, I, I almost never watch it, and it was good. Enjoyable. So third segment, I'll share my thoughts on what went down Sunday evening at the United Center in Chicago. All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond, still pass first point guard. Talked to Dame in the first two segments. Now I want to talk about the NBA All-Star game. Team LeBron beat Team Giannis 157-155. I don't know how to have the box score in front of you, but they scored 157 points on a free throw. And as lame as it was to end the All-Star game on a free throw, it was a it was the best All-Star game I can remember. The only one that comes moderately close even is the 2012 game when Dwayne Wade broke Kobe Bryant's nose. But that was mostly competitive by accident, like the game was within 15 points there in the fourth quarter and and both teams decided to go for it. And it got a little more intense. But the NBA decided that the All-Star game had gotten out of hand. They wanted to change things up. And I think think they got it right. Like, I think this was good. I think this was close to the best-case scenario for an All-Star game. Um, So what they did was they made... They kept a total score, but they... Each quarter, they would reset the uh, scoreboard to zero, so there was a winner each quarter. I don't think they really needed to do that 
reset to zero thing, but having a winner, there was a winner each quarter. So, so the team split the first two quarters, tied in the third. So there was a carryover to the fourth. I thought the the first two quarters were all star gamey. Um, everybody got to play. You know, they called a timeout with six minutes left in the first quarter, right in half. Put a whole new group in. Uh, everybody got to play. It was very sort of. Um, defense optional walk in for a dunk dribble into a three you know guys weren't uh totally clearing the lane as you've seen maybe in the past when the you know there's oops off the backboard and stuff like that but but it was an all-star game uh the quarter scoring thing like i mentioned was a little just confusing um it ended up working out fine but the like actual function of the scoreboard was a little bit confusing but the fourth quarter was legitimately good we had Giannis and LeBron going at each other, like a the thing that I think many basketball fans hope that we'll see in the finals is is those two guys. Um, Giannis get a chance to go at the best player of his generation in, a, in an NBA finals. Maybe you, maybe you really don't root for the Lakers to be in the finals, and I apologize for insinuating that. Sorry. Lakers stink. LeBron stinks. Go. What's the least defensive Western Conference team that I could say would win the finals? Memphis? Grizzlies? <laughs> I guess, yeah, the Grizzlies. It, it'll be Grizzlies at Bucks in the finals for sure. Wait, that might mean I'm insinuating the Blazers don't make the playoffs. Sorry, no team wins. It'll be Blazers Bucks in the finals. They'll be playing Milwaukee, Dame versus Giannis. That's what we all want to see. But in any case, the that matchup was incredibly compelling, seeing seeing them play legitimately hard defense. Uh, Chris Paul was fantastic in this game. Uh, I think it was a celebration of how good Chris Paul is. Uh, it's perfect for a competitive all-star game because guys were like whining to the refs and you had Chris Paul and James Harden and LeBron all on the same team. Like that is such, such a strong whining team. One of the best in the league, I'd say. And Dame was on the roster. You could have thrown him in there too. Anthony Davis, like that's, that's high level whining. Um, Kyle Lowry took two charges and flopped to draw a third. Maybe even stood in for a, a what would have been a fourth charge, but it was early enough in the fourth quarter that they weren't really um, the refs really weren't tuned in. There were both teams used their challenges in this game. There was a video review. I mean, this was real real life NBA basketball. Uh, the game kind of got to decide, decide on the free throw line. They played the fourth quarter basically uh, kind of like you would do in pickup. You would just say we're, we're going to. They add 24 to whoever's leading score and say, we're going to play that number. So basically just say, hey, we're playing to a game of 157 now. Um, that, the like explanation, add 24 points to the team's winning score is more confusing than the actual application of that rule. Uh, it's very normal when the game starts to say, cool, first, first to 157 wins, it's an un- untimed quarter. But 12 minutes of Lowry and Pascal Siakam and jo- Joel Embiid going at Anthony Davis, LeBron, Kawhi, like that was good. That was that. I don't. I don't want. I don't think you can legislate effort and energy and and defense for a full game in the NBA All Star game. Like I think that's unfair, and it's fine that they don't. But this format that rewards guys playing hard. The final two minutes of the third quarter involves some gamesmanship uh, and an actual defensive plays with both benches on the on the court that was like it's pretty entertaining um i i think this is this format is here to stay because i think it worked and just because we talked about dame a lot in this excuse me episode i want to close with this thought uh teams are playing really really tight defense uh but kind of just like one-on-one they weren't they weren't doubling or, or like trapping on pick and rolls it was kind of like pickup rules you know um 
but it was like very high level effort. I think Dame would have been awesome in this game. They kind of, uh, LeBron's team kind of needed someone who could just like shoot, pull up and shoot from deep. Uh, Chris Paul kind of played that role, but he's not, doesn't have a Dame range. I feel like Dame would have been a monster in this fourth quarter. Really, really um, would have fit his skill set and the way the game went. It's just like a high, high level pickup game where you're allowed to shoot from 35 feet. I think this is, I think this is the future of the All-Star Game. Uh, they named the MVP award after Kobe Bryant and it went to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, biggest bummer about that is that Kawhi is the worst person you could possibly interview on court at the end of what was an awesome All-Star Game. They literally should have just given it to someone else who's a better interview. I don't know LeBron. Uh-oh, there I go talking about how LeBron James is good again. That's as good a reason as any to stop talking and not annoy the Blazer fan base. But we've got more shows coming the rest of this week. Uh, All-Star Break won't slow us down. Tell your friends about this podcast. If you enjoy it, chances are they will too. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Search Lockdown Blazers. Subscribe. Have your friends. Tell their friends. Let's grow the community so we can keep doing it. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.